Economic news on SAFM. Facts and figures you can count on. And we're joined on the line now by investment analyst at 274 Investment Managers, Nadir Token. So let's start again by looking at that investment case for Mondi once again. Well, Sakina, I think that, uh, you know, as we mentioned, um, it, it, it's a business which is actually well diversified offshore. Um, you know, it's a business that uh, it generates a significant part of its uh, earnings from, from Europe and particularly Eastern Europe, which is obviously a part of the European economy which is growing the most rapidly. And it's also in a, it's in a part of the industry which is, um, you know, attracting very, very uh, attractive um, the, uh, investment growth in terms of uh, packaging goods for online delivery. Um, you know, we've seen what companies like Amazon have done. We've seen what companies like uh, uh, Tencent in China have done. We've seen what uh, company, you know, all companies basically uh, which is involved in e-commerce around the world have done. We've seen that, uh, you know, their volume growth has been tremendous. Uh, you know, in the, if you look at just take a lot in South Africa, uh, you're talking about, you know, uh, 60-70% volume growth year on year. So, you know, we're talking about an industry where there's significant tailwinds. Um, you know, Monday is no longer just a paper business. It's actually more a packaging business now than a paper business. Um, you know, and they made some, some good acquisitions along the way. You know, late last year, they bought a business called Power Flute, and, uh, you know, which is an integrated pop business. Um, and, you know, th- these are all, have all been very margin accretive for Monday along the way. So, uh, you know, they control a significant part of the value chain in terms of uh, manufacturing those packaging containers uh, in order to deliver those online goods. Um, and also have long-standing uh, contracts with their suppliers in order to supply these, these, these packaging businesses. And uh, Sakina, let's not forget the, the um, you know the, the high-quality management team that's at Mondi. Um, you know they've made some, as I mentioned, some highly uh, skilled uh, capital allocation decisions, um, and shareholders have reaped the benefits from that over the uh, over the years. But uh, you know it's actually a business which has uh, lagged the other rand hedge businesses. Um, you know through the course of 2017, um, and in fact has come under significant pressure over the last couple of months. So that's made sure that the valuation has actually stayed in check, and um, as a result of that, uh, you know, continues to offer attractive opportunities for investors. Mm. Nadir, also uh, the announcement in the budget to increase uh, foreign investment allowance, uh, what does that mean, and, uh, you know, how is that like uh, decision likely uh, to impact on the ratings agencies and the like? Yeah, look, I don't think it's going to impact on the ratings agencies at all. But, um, you know, I think in terms of how it impacts individual pension fund investors, um, you know, if, if, if you look at uh, Regulation 28, previously we were allowed to take 25% of our pension money, essentially were allowed to be taken outside of the African continent, um, and another 5% was allowed to be allocated on the African continent. So basically, you know, of, of, of every single pension uh, investment in South Africa, so if you had an R or you're contributing to your uh, corporate pension fund, you're basically a maximum of 30% was previously allowed to be invested outside the borders of South Africa. And that's basically been lifted to 40% now with uh, uh, 30% outside the African continent. So that limit being lifted by 5%. And the African limit also being lifted by 5% to 10%. So that brings total um, offshore allowance uh, up to 40%. And essentially what this means to Kina is that uh, for 
for the last couple of years, we've actually seen um, a number of Regulation 28 compliant pension funds. So if you're talking about uh, you know, any of the funds in, in the unit trust space that are in the multi-asset high equity category, a number of those are Regulation 28 compliant. Um, you know, we've seen that they've all been skirting that offshore limit quite tightly. You know, they're consistently being um, in and around that 25% limit. We've seen a number of the large asset managers have actually had to close their offshore businesses because, uh, you know, according to the regulations and the Reserve Bank regulations, they weren't allowed to take more money offshore. Um, now, with the lifting of that limit to 30%, we're likely to see um, a number of these pension funds actually increase their uh, foreign uh, exposure over the course of the next couple of months. Um, you know, it's been a bugbear for a number um, of industry participants for, for a while now, saying that, uh, you know, we've been forced to be overly concentrated in South African assets. Um, you know, and, and, and that's actually been, you know, one of the arguments that have been put forward as to why the JSC has remained on, uh, you know, above average multiples for quite a while now, especially relative to other emerging markets, uh, equity markets. And uh, part of the reason being purported for that is that we have very deep liquid pension systems, and a significant amount of that capital is forced to remain within South Africa. I think what's going to be quite interesting to witness now is that, uh, you know, a number of industry participants have been imploring for these limits to be increased, um, and it's going to be quite interesting to see um, how many people actually take up that limit, um, you know, because it's one thing saying you want more offshore exposure in your pension fund, but remember that the significant amount of RAND strength we've seen over the course of the last three or four months uh, significantly impacts, um, you know, the, the, the ultimate return you enjoy from those offshore allocations. And when you see the significant RAND strength, it actually hurts those offshore um, allocations. And I think, uh, you know, a number of retirement funds have actually been found wanting on that front. Um, you know, if you, find, if, you, if you see over the last couple of months, um, yes, offshore markets have done very well, but the RAND has strengthened so much that it actually offsets most of, if not all of those gains from offshore markets. So it's going to be quite interesting to see, um, you know, if people are actually comfortable taking on that additional neural currency volatility and increasing that offshore allowance. I think the last point that's worth mentioning um, is that the FS or, or National Treasury and the FSB confirming this announcement, it comes at a time where we're seeing significant inflows into emerging markets. Um, you know, in South Africa, as we've chatted about on this program a number of times uh, so far this year, you know, we started to receive a significant amount of inflows, for, for foreign inflows into the JSE um, this year, and particularly since, uh, you know, the ch shifting uh, power base in South Africa, and, you know, the renewed vigor for economic growth. I think that's going to be attracting quite a lot of foreign inflows. So it's actually not going to be as RAND negative as what people may think because, uh, you know, we're seeing a strong foreign demand uh, for our currency. And I think that's why the Reserve Bank is happy with going ahead with this, with this plan because it's actually not going to impact the RAND that significantly because we're seeing this foreign demand for our stocks, which is going to replace possibly some of the domestic demand we've seen if these asset managers do take up more offshore allowance. Nadir, we're going to leave it there for today. Thanks so much, Nadir Token.